Hey, Craig. Hello, Craig. Hey, Craig. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the paddock. We are the paddock girls. And on today's episode, we have Ido, Rachel, Chelsea, and myself, Hannah. We are going to be doing something fun today a little driver spotlight. This is a new segment we are going to be doing similar to our William segment earlier this week. We are going to be doing some of our favorite drivers and getting into how they came into Formula One. To start off the driver spotlight, we are starting off with the group favorite, Alex Albon. We got a lot to cover, so we are going to jump right into it and pass it over to Ido. Thanks, Hannah. Um, so yeah, Alex Albon. Well, or what his legal name is, I'm going to butcher that, so sorry about that, but it, his legal name being Alex, Alexander Albon Ansuhina, more commonly known as Alex Albon, as we all know and love him, or by his nickname, Albono, is a Thai-British Formula 1 driver, racer under the Thai flag for, currently for Williams. He grew up in, I wouldn't say like a super racing heavy family, but his British father, Nigel, did race in the British Touring Series as well as the Porsche Carrera Cup. And his mother just was, from what I could find, basically there to like raise the kids more or less. Additionally, he also has a brother named Luca and three sisters named Chloe, Zoe, and Alicia. And fun part, the family actually owns a bunch of pets, often referred to as the Albon Zoo, especially because they have everything from like cats, dogs, and to even a horse. And they document their lives on the Instagram account at Albon underscore pets. And it's super cute, but we'll get more into that later. Growing up in Suffolk, he attended Ipswich School before deciding to leave to pursue his professional racing careers as so many other F1 or even just drivers do. And really he decided to leave to emulate his idols, Michael Schumacher and Valentino Rossi. As I mentioned before, he is uh, Thai British. So he holds both passports, but decided to race under the Thai flag for sponsorship reasons. And he's actually the second Thai driver to compete in Formula One. The first having been Prince Bira in 1954. So in terms of his karting career, he started out at the age of eight in 2005, winning his local championship for the first time in his first season. And he stayed in karting until 2011. During that time, he participated in different categories such as the Kart Master British Grand Prix, MSA British Championship, WSK Euro Series, and a few more. He performed very well in all of these series throughout his karting career, mostly finishing in the top three. His lowest ever finish was in 2006, so basically in his second year in the Super 1 National Championship where he finished 14th, and that was such an anomaly, so that speaks to his talent even at that young age. And then after all of that illustrious karting, it's no surprise that he ultimately got called up into Formula Renault 2.0 in 2012, where he would remain for three seasons racing for Epic Racing in his first year and then moving to KTR for the next two. 
while in his first season in Formula Renault wasn't great because he didn't score any points and finished 38th out of 49. So his stint at KRT was definitely better. And we truly started seeing glimpses of who Alex really was as a driver. He finished 16th and 3rd, respectively, during those two seasons, even though he never actually won a race in either season, which is surprising, especially if you considered he finished 3rd. But he managed to get a pole position as well as a fastest lap in 2013, both at the Red Bull ring, and in 2014, he got pole at the Nürburgring. In 2015, he switched over to racing in European Formula 3 for signature. He finished 7th overall after being able to secure two pole positions, both at the Norris Ring in Nuremberg, Germany. Just for clarification, because I mentioned Nuremberg Ring, and now I'm mentioning Norris, Norris Ring. While they're both in Nuremberg, the Norris Ring is a street track whereas the Nuremberg Ring is the permanent racing complex that a lot of Formula One fans, or even if you're not a huge fan of the sport, might know because of the infamous Nordschleife. So after having done the postseason testing in 2015 with Arch Grand Prix, they ultimately offered him a seat for the 2016 season, and then very quickly offered him because Arch Grand Prix is Formula 3 and a Formula 2 team in 2017 they offered him a Formula 2 seat due to him winning four races in 2016 and finishing second in the championship behind his his then teammate Charles Leclerc who he has been friends with forever so, like, Formula 2, Formula 3, even before then, and now in Formula 1, they're friends. And who doesn't know the Twitch quartet that developed during lockdown of 2020 of Charles, George Russell, Alex Albon, and Landon Norris, but more on that later in the fun section of this episode. Making his F2 debut in 2017 for Art in Bahrain, partnering Nobuharu Matsushita. He placed sixth in the feature race after starting ninth, and for the sprint, he started second after his teammate had a mechanical issue causing a pit lane start. In that race, he sadly struggled for grip, causing him to drop down to seventh throughout the race. And as you will see, him dropping places in sprint races will become a common theme. But... So in Barcelona, he once again qualified rather well, qualifying third in the feature race and quickly overtaking P2 driver Luca Giotto shortly after where he found himself in P1 after Charles Leclerc pitted. After a race restart due to safety car, Oliver Rowland was able to put pressure on Albon, which led to him making a mistake and losing the lead of the race and still had to make a pit stop. He ultimately ended up in fifth place after failed comeback attempt post that necessary pit stop. Later on in Monaco, he qualified second behind Leclerc after having a chaotic start of the race due to an engine failure of Antonio Pioski and Sean Giel. 
Albon was able to hang on to his P2 stop for a while. However, later on, he found himself stuck behind slower moving Norman Nato and Jordan King, which eventually caused him to lose his place and finish the race just shy of the podium in fourth place. Missing Baku due to injury, he rejoined the grid for the fifth round of the season. Even though his collarbone, the reason why he missed Baku, was very clearly still broken, he said he was feeling a lot better than expected. And FP1 actually showed that because he ended up finishing in eighth place, even with his injury. And it showed that a podium might actually not be that far out of reach. Actually, he qualified fourth for the feature race, which again, showed the same thing. Though he would end up starting third on the grid for the feature race, as Sergio Sete Camara was disqualified after failing to provide the mandatory one liter fuel sample. Sadly, he would end up finishing the race in fifth as he lost places to Roland as well as Nicholas Latifi, aka Gotifi. I'm sure we'll do a episode or something on him down the road. Both of their Dems cars just having better pace, sadly. Sometimes that's all it is better pace of a car. You can be as good of a driver as you want. If another car has better pace, you should have luck. I mean, we see it with Red Bull this season. Even though he started fourth in the sprint, he managed to get his first F2 podium, finishing P2 behind Ertem Merkelov. And then for the final round in Abu Dhabi, saw Alex once again finish second, causing him to finish 10th in the driver's standings in his rookie season, which for a rookie is pretty decent. I mean, top half of the field. And then he once again in 2018 stayed in Formula 2, joining Dems, taking Roland C and partnering Latifi. While at first this was only confirmed for the first round, it was made permanent a month later in April. Brain saw him finish 4th in the feature race and 13th in the sprint, as I alluded to. It feels like he has more so the race pace than he does have a sprint pace. And then Baku um, actually saw him get his first win in a feature race. But once again, sprint, 13th again. What's wrong, Alex? You don't like sprint races? But hey, Barcelona... Again, superb qualifying for Albon, where he managed to get pole, but even that pole couldn't help because he just made too many mistakes throughout the race and dropped down to fifth. The sprint actually was the better race for him for the first time over race weekend, and it saw him finish second. Monaco, on the other hand, was just a nightmare throughout. Because in both races, he managed to collide with drivers. During the future race, it was Nick DeVries at the pit entrance. And in the sprint race, it was Compass's Ryan Sani when he approached the Nouvelle Chicane. And then in France, at Le Castellet, he suffered an engine failure in the future race, DNFing him. But thankfully in the sprint, he finished seventh, which is an okay finish, I guess. When the season moved on to Austria, he definitely had more luck finishing fifth in both races at the Ripple Ring. Again, lucky Ripple Ring. Previous year, he got pole positions there. And he also won the race in Silverstone. His 
while not officially his home race, kind of his home race, since he's Thai British, as well as the Sprint in Hungary and the future race in Sochi. While those wins gave him hope going into Abu Dhabi, ultimately he finished third in the championship behind George Russell and Lando Norris. And those three would actually go on to form the F1 rookie class of 2019. If you Google YouTube, basically, if you look up F1 rookie class of 2019, there's some very fun videos. So you better do that. But before Alex could actually dream of being an F1 driver, getting an F1 seat, he looked to Formula E as an alternative, which Chelsea will explain more of in a second why he did that. But ultimately, him exploring Formula E led him to sign a contract with Nissan Edems for the 2018-2019 season, but ultimately he ended up driving for Toro Rosso instead. Yeah, so a year before Alex became a Formula One driver, he didn't think he would actually find himself on the track. Unlike some of the drivers on the grid, which we know about, they came into Formula One because they had those connections already, whether it was a family connection or maybe it was a contract connection from their junior days. But Alex had to work his way into the industry from the start. While he was driving for F2, he even began believing that he might have to look into the alternative, like Ida was saying, and his best one was Formula E. He did sign a contract, but here came Todoroso, now known as Alpatori for the new fans, in 2019. And that was the same team that was connected to Red Bull, who brought Max Verstappen onto the grid years prior. Now, they offered Alex a driver's seat for the 2019 season, and they teamed him up with Daniel Caviat, a driver who also began his Formula One career with Toto Rosso in 2014. Now, the move to Toro Rosso for Alex, it really wasn't easy. He was brought onto the team last minute after leaving his Formula E career with Nissan E-Doms. And he was talking in an interview with Across the Grid about the story of being invited onto the team and how sudden his transition was. You see, the transition, it really led him to having a lot of anxiety going into his first test run, and he really was just scared that he wouldn't be able to do it. The practice test that he did with Toro Rosso, it ended up becoming this moment where he realized that he was truly an F1 because he crashed in his practice race and ended up being photographed by a hundred photographers that were just there on site. And he felt like he was a top driver in the F2 circuit. He knew he was, but going into F1, it was really just going to be this different world. He did end up proving his worth on the circuit and he received a mid-season promotion to the Red Bull team during the summer break. And he was replacing Gaffley, who was also placed onto the Toro Rosso team. So they basically switched the drivers. It was a demotion to Gasly because he wasn't driving up to the standards of what they considered Max Verstappen standards. Now, Red Bull did state that the team will use the next nine races to evaluate Alex's performance in order to make an informed decision as to who will drive alongside Max in 2020. Good news for Alex, the test was a success in 2019. He had a run of seven top six finishes. He peaked in fourth position in Japan and he ended up outdoing Gasly's best efforts in the same exact car. He came out eighth in the Drivers' Championship, and to top it off for 2019, was even awarded Rookie of the Year by the FIA Association. Now, because of his success in 2019, Red Bull did end up keeping him for the 2020 season, but this season, it was sprinkled with more consistent little accidents and just issues on the track. 
I mean, even with the issues, he did end up finishing seventh in the Drivers' Championship, and he was able to gain his first and second podium that season. But by the end of it, he was still let go from Red Bull, and they demoted him for the next season as a reserve driver, bringing in Sergio Perez, or as we better know him, Checo, to take over the second seat. Now, Alex did admit that being dropped by Red Bull hurt. I mean, he said in an interview that it killed me. It killed me. The hunger never went, and the hunger just got more and more. And the longer I sat watching everyone driving, the more I wanted to be back in it. But you know what? He was determined to find that seat on the track for 2022. Yeah, and Alex had mentioned it was hard to race for Red Bull in the 2020 season with a car really built around Max Verstappen's driving style. And he kind of found little to no effort on improvements, even though he asked for it. So that was kind of rough for him as well. Yeah, and on top of that, Red Bull ended up placing Alex with the AF course run AlphaTauri squad in the DTM for 2021. But He did quickly adapt to race the GT3 sports cars. He finished his debut race on the podium, won from pole at the Nürburgring, making Album the first Thai driver to win a DTM race and finish sixth in the standings. But even with the success he saw, Alex knew he wanted to get back on the Formula One track for the 2022 season. Now, Alex was ready to make a point that he deserved to be on the Formula One track, and he found that answer with the Williams team in 2022 taking over for George Russell's seat, who had been promoted to the Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 team with Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and Alex was thankful to have signed a multi-year contract with Williams. And like Chelsea had stated, this was his dream. Ultimately, what he wanted was to get back into Formula One. Albon qualified in 14th and finished in 13th in his debut season in 2022 with Williams at Bahrain, but ended up retiring in Beta following a crash, then more upset in Melbourne, getting disqualified due to being unable to provide an adequate fuel sample to the FIA. But his comeback drive in Amola from back of the grid was remarkable. The reward of his efforts was 11th place, and during qualifying, he was sidelined due to his brakes catching on fire. The trend continued into Miami with Alban outpacing teammate Nicholas Latifi in qualifying, yet able to score points by finishing the race in ninth. Williams had the least competitive package on the grid, but Albon was able to progress past Q1 eight times, including reaching Q3 at Spa when he returned to the points. The worst moment, though, of his season, though, occurred when he was sent home in Italy following appendicitis issues. But unfortunately, that was not the end of the suffering from it, as he had complications that led to respiratory failure. And he ended up being in intensive care for support and recovery. He was able to recover and make full recovery to return to Singapore GP later that month. During that time, Nick DeVries stepped in to support Williams and take Alex's place during the surgery slash recovery portion for Williams. Williams ultimately ended the season in 2022 at the bottom of the Constructors' Championship, but Albon believed that they could only bounce back from there. And then going into the 2023 season, so far Alex has had a great start despite two DNFs at Saudi and Australia. 
I don't know if y'all remember, but at the Australian Grand Prix, Alex crashed at turn seven on lap seven. And if you don't remember, ended up having tons of gravel on the track, which caused a red flag and ultimately overall was a crazy race. He retired his car in Saudi due to a brake failure, which was a positive frustration from what he quotes, since they have remarkable race pace, but ultimately due to the brake failure, they had to retire the car at lap 27 out of 50. In Bahrain, he finished 10th, earning his first points of the season with promising almost in Baku and Miami, finishing 12th and 14th. We will see what the next three back-to-back races brings for Williams slash Alex and Mola in the prestigious Monaco, followed by the Spanish GP in Barcelona. For me, one thing that I love about Alex is his passion for the charity work that he does. Uh, In speaking with the media leading up to the Williams 2023 livery launch, he talked about how Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton are kind of his role models when it comes to charity work and just speaking out on important issues. And while Alex has only recently kicked off his charity work, it's very, very clear that he is all in and this is something he really cares about. For Alex, this all kind of kicked off in 2022 when he made a stop in Thailand on his way to the Australian GP. This is not unusual for Alex. He still has a lot of family in Thailand, and he spent a lot of time there while growing up. He talks about how when he visits, he sees how tough it is for the people there, especially the children. And he felt like he could help, so that's what he decided to do and still does. So when former Williams team principal Jos Capito told Alex about a charity that his brother Volker Capito founded called the Iceman Charity to help children of the, and I'm so, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, and I'm so sorry, uh, Wat Sacreo Orphanage, and said Alex should visit it if he had some free time. He had some time, so he did. He was blown away saying how incredible the orphanage is and how the whole experience really helped him to understand the effects he can have on people and that seeing the results of the work people are doing just makes him want to do more. And the realization that the platform he has can change lives was just a real eye-opener for him. And while there, Alex met the children, played football, soccer for my Americans, and helped serve food. And as it turns out, in addition to learning the usual subjects like languages, math, reading, dyeing hair is also a favorite activity of the kids at the orphanage. So when they asked Alex if they could dye his hair red, he was all for it. I had no idea that Alex's red hair from 2022 was courtesy of the kids at the orphanage. And I think that's just so adorable and so sweet. And I love it. So Albon then used the increase in media attention from his scoring points in Australia, gaining seven positions in Imola and having another top 10 finish in Miami to draw attention to the Iceman charity and the orphanage. In May, he did this by opening a quote, pop-up salon, appropriately named Albonos, where members of the Williams team and some of the other familiar faces in the paddocks, including my personal favorite commentator, Crofty, dropped by to essentially imitate Alex's red hair. Unfortunately, no real hair dye was actually used. It was just the colorful hairspray that you can get at like the party store. In addition to this, 
Each time the team scored points, Yos Capito personally donated to the Iceman charity. And since it wasn't possible for Alex to personally dye the hair of his fans, the Williams official online store sold a limited edition power-up tee with five pounds from every sale going directly to the orphanage. So fans were still able to get involved by purchasing the tee. But it didn't stop there. He then had the kids at the orphanage design his custom helmet for the 2022 Singapore GP, which was then auctioned off with all proceeds going to the Iceman charity to help fund the remodel of the orphanage's sports hall. The helmet ended up selling for 84,000 pounds, just over $100,000. And all in all, they raised about 100,000 pounds to renovate the sports hall and actually was able to contribute to some other projects throughout the orphanage. What is really cute and really sweet is they ended up renaming the sports hall the Alex Albon Hall in his honor. And he plans to continue his work with the Iceman charity, along with finding other projects in Thailand that he can contribute to and help with. I can't wait to see what he does next, and I will definitely be looking out for whatever charities he decides to support. Honestly, Alex, on and off the track, seems to be a really great guy with a bubbly, fun personality. I don't know if y'all seen him in the paddocks with that bright, wide smile. It's honestly amazing. He has been dating Chinese golfer, sorry, in advance, Lily, Lily Mooney. Um, she is a pro golfer for the LPGA Tour, and the pair reportedly met on social media. There's Faith. When he is not on the track, he is seen traveling with his family or lovely girlfriend. They both like to golf and play for the first time together in Texas, and like Ido mentioned in the beginning... Alex has a love for animals and is known as the cat dad and or the Albon Zoo with five lovely cats and many more. He currently resides in Monaco following some of the other prestigious F1 drivers. Also, side note, like Ido mentioned as well, the Twitch Quartet needs to come back because that was amazing to see the F1 guys cut up together and be friends. So that would be great. And of course, we'd like to end this episode with talking about some fun things that we like to do. So today we're going to do a funny driver quote and over to Ido. I mean, I don't know whether it's necessarily a funny quote, but it's a very, shall we say, racing driver worthy quote. So Alex actually said, it is like I tell everyone, if you don't move, there's only one place you're going backwards. I wonder whether this quote was said pre or post 2019 Red Bull era and whether Pierre Gasly was the intended target. And that is our Alex episode. We're going to be doing different driver spotlights in the future too, bringing you guys a little more background info about your favorite drivers. We'll also spotlight your favorite teams like we did with Williams earlier this week. Catch it if you missed it. And take a listen, deep dive into the history with us. As always, keep up with us on socials, Paddock Girls Podcast on everything. Except Twitter, she's a little special. She is Paddock Girls Pod. Thank you for coming to the Paddock. We'll see you on the next one. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. <laughs>